Welcome to the Creatively Connected Classroom Podcast, episode number 30. Welcome to the Creatively Connected Podcast from Education Closet, connecting teachers and ideas one glue stick at a time. Here's your hosts and K-12 Art Chat founders, Matt and Laura Grundler. Hey everybody, this is Matt and Laura Grundler again with uh, Creatively Connected Classroom and our episode today we are talking with Lisa Johnson and her book Creatively Productive and uh, I know that there's a lot of there's a lot of history in knowing Lisa and I know Laura Laura has more of more but um it's just exciting. It's it's like that iPad Palooza connection thing all over again. I feel like however many years ago, meeting all of these people from iPad Palooza connected us to a lot of really great things and a lot of great, really great people and just kind of have kept following Lisa um, on Twitter and Instagram and wherever else she posts. And uh, she's got a great blog um, called Tech Chef for You. And um, she's in Texas as well. So welcome to the program. Super excited to have you, Lisa. Thank you for having me. And and yes, I, I'm, it's cool, like meeting people, you know, in person and then kind of staying connected through social media. And I just... I love all the stuff that y'all do creatively and, and artistically. And Laura, I absolutely love your journaling and I absolutely owe you a journal back. So um, <laughs> I have it and I will give it back to you at LearnFest. Okay. <laughs> I have it good. and it will have things in it as well. <laughs> well, I proposed a journaling session at LearnFest that's hands-on and it was meant for you. So hopefully you can make it. So, so you'll have no excuse. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually we're working on the schedule of Learn Fest. Um, so I'll make sure that my schedules are not like on top of that. I'll, I'll just strategically make sure that I can attend that. I'm off so at funny. this time. Well, and then um, I have agreed to some kind of dumb pepper challenge and I'm like, keep oh, myself. Thanks to Carl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like look at your face right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Yeah. 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 So Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. And for some dumb reason, you said, yeah, sure. sure. I don't know what I was, we were having a great conversation and I just. You wanted to say yes. Yeah, and so. So, yeah. so you might want to clarify too. These are not like bell peppers. Right. <laughs> these are, yeah. These are hot peppers. Um, I heard something about a ghost pepper being in the mix. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Wheel of misfortune. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I might have to, I don't know. We'll see. All I'm right. actually, it's, it, I'm excited though. I'm super excited to be back down in Austin for, for that event and be with all of you. But I feel like I'm just back talking to you. To you. Back, back to you. you. <laughs> um, so what what is your, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about you and kind of how you, your journey through where you are now. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I've been writing ever since I was in second grade. Like I actually, I just, I've always loved to write or journal or, you know, make lists and things like that. Like I've always been that way. And it's it's kind of interesting, you know, when you talk to adults and and certain things that have kind of come into fruition and, and you then kind of look at their childhood, a lot of those things started then. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've loved to write. I've loved to be artistic and, and things of that nature long before devices were even, you know, kind of in the mix. So I am currently um, an educational technologist and I work at a one-to-one iPad high school with one of your guests as well, um, Carl Hooker. He's kind of the 
I always say something of innovation, but (laughs) (laughs) director of all innovation. No. Um, but, but yeah, so a lot of things that kind of resonate with me and, and, what I try to do is I try to kind of get a pulse because I, I work with high school students. And so I, I take a pulse of kind of things that are happening, trends that I'm seeing, you know, kind of beyond that time frame, and, and that's kind of what I really put together when it came into kind of writing the book and, and things of that nature. It's just, there's so much going on with, you know, 10, I guess, 10 or so years ago, you know, we had a huge digital swing with all the things that we can now do with devices and what's really interesting is when that happened, you know, now you're starting to see, I don't want to say a backlash because it's not a backlash, but you are kind of seeing that pendulum kind of right itself. And it's like, okay, yes, we like these things. There's a lot of power, but we also have to be really mindful of how we're using them. And now that they're in the mix, yes, they make a lot of things easier, but at the same time, you know, that comes with a cost of, you know, now we can do so much more. What does time management look like? You know, things like that. I know we've kind of talked about, you know, being ADD and, and, and addressing those sort of things and just all of the things that come with technology and self-management skills and, and things of that nature. So at the same time, I guess a few years ago, and I know Laura and I have talked about this as well. I, I started a bullet journal. I started kind of journaling some more. It's, it's interesting. Sometimes there are things that work for us. And for whatever reason, we just give them up, you know, when we're in high school or college or just life gets in the way. And so that was something I had done for a very long time is journaling and scrapbooking and, and reading and, and, <laughs> and, you know, you have, you have kids, you get full-time jobs. Life happens. Yeah. Life happens. And so what's interesting is a few years ago, I kind of went back to that. And I think a lot of people, you know, if you're following bullet journalists or, or just all kinds of different people, kind of in Instagram and things like that, there's a lot of people have gone back to that or, or maybe never left that. And I think there's a lot of power in that. So that's kind of where a lot of the things kind of, I just felt like this is something I need to share because we're at a time frame where we need to look at like what's important and how we can make those things happen and, and kind of really figure out life and analog and digital and, and all of those things and, and be productive too, which is a whole nother layer of life. <laughs> well, I, I think Gosh. the productive part, I've thought a lot about this because, you know, we talk a lot about traditional art and like the idea of, you know, balancing traditional art forms and digital art forms and one bleeds into the other and back and forth. Um, and, just even with the productivity part of it, so one of the things that you have to teach kids is how to organize all of that, how to store all of that. Um, you know, right now we're sitting in our studio and it is a hot mess. I mean, and it, that's part of being a, a creative is that you make a mess, right? When you're Absolutely. when you're doing this, you know, you're making a mess, and that could be a digital mess or it could be all the the stuff intensive you know, if you're a traditional artist, all the stuff that comes along with that. And you have to learn how to manage that, that mess and organize that mess in order to, to be productive. And that's one of the things that I know a lot of creatives struggle with, um, myself included, um, <laughs> for sure. And even, on, I mean, going back to the digital side of things, I was looking for some of my, um, my notes, my sketch notes for my iPad this week. I couldn't find them anywhere. And I'm like, I do not store anything. You lose digital files. (laughs) Yeah. Like I need to learn how to file things digitally as well as, you know, in the real world. So there's just so many tips in your book. You know, where did you kind of 
I mean, what brought that forward for you in writing about that? Well, yeah. So, so digital organization, and it's funny because I've, I've always been very analog organized, you know, it's just, you know, things are out, but you know, everything's alphabetized and color coded (laughs) and, you know, that's a special drawer or whatever. Yeah, in the book I mentioned, I, I alphabetize my DVDs, and then also by genre. Like this is this is a legit thing I do. This Whoa. is not. <laughs> this is, I think you, um, you definitely you library the, media specialist. Do you have the the uh, tape lines around the different tools that are hanging up on the on the pegboards and? Oh yeah, like I. And, I don't, I don't take it that far, but I, I do have a label maker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there is that. one. Yeah. I use duct tape and then uh, <laughs> Sharpie. <laughs> That's that our label maker. Too. That works too. Yeah. I mean, so, so analog, you know, organization, fine. You know, I think we, we've had filing cabinets, you know, that sort of stuff. You can see things, you kind of know where it goes visually and, you know, it obviously gets in your way. If you're walking in a room, you, you know, you kind of have to deal with it. Whereas digital, has been really interesting because especially with the cloud stuff and the fact that, you know, you have things in Google and you have things in Evernote and you have things over here on ThingLink. And I have, you know, 14 different accounts that I've built and shared content on more than 14. And so, you know, I knew I was going through this. I know that I've sit, you know, sat in many a meeting where we spend a lot of time looking for a document. That we should, <laughs> this should be really easy to find. Like, it doesn't That's make so any true. sense. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's in the shared folder. I'm like, mm, where is that? What was the shared folder named? Like, do you remember? And then without fail, every year, I have students who come and talk to me because they've lost either their notes somewhere. They had an essay that is gone. Like it it just, it happens a lot. And so I figured if I'm struggling with this, if students are struggling with this, it just, it's a conversation that needs to be had. So, I mean, that's kind of what, and and why I felt that was so important because I think too, if you can't find the things that are important to you and that you need to be able to find, then that's problematic because it, it does make you less productive. So it's kind of figuring out what your processes are. And the other thing that kind of came with this was I was always very, and I mentioned this in the book too, kind of like a an ed tech Kramer. Hey, have you seen Haiku Deck? Hey, check out this new tool. It's awesome. <laughs> and like it, at some point... I know it's way better with the hand motion and the yes, I know. I'm like, I really nobody can see that. It's fine. Yes, talking. That's great. Yeah, but it's like I really started thinking about that, and you know, at some point, I don't need 14 different tools to take notes. I need one that works really well, and even if a new one comes out, like if if it's working well for me, like I, I don't need that new tool. And so, part of the book kind of talked about vetting new tools and. And when, you know, to kind of stay, I don't want to say stay in your lane, but like keep what you've got because it's working for you versus scrapping something and adding in something new. Because I think we get inundated with all of these like, oh, hey, there's a new tool to do sketchnoting or yeah, it's like at some point, like this works and I'm not trying to be, you know, anti new things by any means, but at the same time you have to find balance. And if it's working really well, there's no reason necessarily to you know, jump ship. So part of that was that. And then the other part kind of walks through, you know, keeping a portfolio and kind of organizing things so you can find them and talking about, so I, in there as well, I I talk about, you know, note-taking or different tools. And I say, these are the four or five tools I use. 
you know, Evernote, I use a lot just for nonsense notes and different things in there. Um, or if I'll type up, like I have all of my session descriptions when I submit to places. So I find them pretty easily and then I'll make some, you know, changes, things like that. So I use that, you know, obviously I'll use Google Docs if I'm doing a collaborative document. I rarely use the notes on my phone because I don't know, it's just, it's on my phone and I don't want to mess with it. And yes, I, yes, I know there's cloud and all that, yada, yada, yada. Like I already have something that works for me. So, (laughs) you know, it's kind of figuring that out. And and sometimes that's just like sitting there and almost like dumping it out on the table and saying, these are all the things I'm using. Can anything be condensed? Do I need to add anything? Okay. And then like move forward with that. I fully agree. I understand that too. I mean, I'm thinking about you know, I would think about my school bag, my work bag that I would take with me back and forth to school. What what things do I need versus, you know, random pieces of paper, or random whatever that I'm finding in there. That I'm like, why is this even in here? And, you know, so it's just... Well, I was just... I, and I was thinking about my iPad. Like, <laughs> there are probably 10 or 12 apps I use all the time. And then there's a bunch of random apps that I haven't opened in forever. And, you know, like even when you were talking about taking notes, like if I'm at a conference and I have my, I mean, I do, I I do both as well. Actually, I always have my, I'm getting right now ready for a conference and I have a little journal because I like to take a real journal with me that's for the conference. And then I can go back and put my hand on that journal and see everything that I collected like through that journal and find it. But then if I'm in a keynote presentation, I love to have my iPad for my sketch notes. So it's like a back and forth kind of thing. I do both, but you know, I mean, how many years is it now? It's I've been using paper 53 since forever. I love it still. Everybody's like, you could do Adobe sketch or you could do whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I could, but I'm comfortable with this. I like it and it works for me. And that's what I use. So I just think that that's, that's a huge key is finding what you're comfortable and what works. And it's, it's hard because there are so many things thrown at you all the time. So yeah, it's my thought on that. wanted to talk a little bit more about sketch noting and note taking you have a lot of information in the book about note taking and funny enough um i think as a human who grew up dyslexic my mom taught me to mind map back in the day like that was what we called it and um Actually, I always sketch noted. I, I it, my mind maps always turned into sketches and drawings, which makes sense, right? But um, I think it's so funny how that's become such a thing these days. But at the same time, Matt just discovered like his whole campus doesn't even know what it is or how to use it, and we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, what are your some of your best tips and tricks for note taking in general? Yeah. I mean, I, I found the same thing to be true and, and that's kind of why I wanted to get into that. So I was like, yes, if I saw mind mapping or sketch noting happening, like it was only happening in like one sort of pocket and, and curriculum and it wasn't being transferred to other ones. So right. they just assume like, oh, if I'm reading Shakespeare, <laughs> then I might mind map this, but like they didn't think, oh, well, if I'm in biology and we're studying this, like this mm-hmm. may make sense for that as well. And so, yeah. So, in the, in the book itself, I kind of walk through the four main types of note-taking and a little bit of kind of pros. I don't say pros and cons. It's just when you might use this one and when you might not. So like in outlines, a lot of people use outlines, but you know, in a fast-paced lecture, it's, it may be hard to use something like that. So it's kind of talking to you about that. 
And then, yeah, so there's other examples I think that are really helpful. And I, I would tell you that I, I end up using a lot of kind of mind map slash sketch noting sort of, that's kind of how my notes end up too. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, mine are analog just because I won't pay attention. Otherwise I know this about myself, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like I'll end up on my phone or, you know, I'll have something pop up on the screen or just, I just know myself and it's just easier. And, And like you, I do like, because I've started keeping them in a notebook, I end up going back and finding them and, you know, actually referring back to them, which I think is really powerful. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely some people in there that I would, you know, Karen Bosch, I mentioned, I love that she does actual templates for her sketch notes. Mm -hmm. Like that's, what's really fascinating to me is yes, you know, you get into sketch noting or any type of note taking, and then you really start to see like certain styles. Like I was talking at UT to some students who were or, and actually they're pre-service teachers, but, um, they're students at UT. So, <laughs> and we're, we're all students and teachers in some capacity, but right. um, oh, yeah. it was interesting because we were talking about note-taking and what that looks like and, and how they can encourage their students to take better notes. And one of the things that I was talking to them about is why don't you have your students trade their notes with a fellow student? Because there's such power in, looking at how somebody else organizes and processes information that you're not going to get just from, you know, having somebody say, okay, this is, you know, you're going to put a title here. You know, this is a mind map is going to spread out here and here. And so I think there's a lot of power in just sharing. And so following the hashtags, you know, of, and I'm, I know that y'all have interviewed people who do this. I know you, you do this. So mm-hmm. kind of just looking at how people, organize that and, and being really observant of the strategies that they use and the different tools that they use. And even just asking them, you know, Hey, I see that you've done this question of what app are you using? Or, you know, do you actually organize your notes? Do you make a frame around them? Do you have any color coding? You know, what, what does that look like? Cause that's really what I did is I, I just saw people who took awesome notes and I asked them, what are you doing? I'm noticing, you know, and, and, and what is your process? And do you find that to be really powerful, beneficial, things like that? I think from a teacher standpoint, I mean, I, I was just thinking about Matt's teachers that he's working with on his campus and I'll let him talk more about this, but I thought it was interesting. They gave the kids templates or not, they could do either way. They were introducing sketch notes. And I thought that was, I was glad that they did that because for me, I need a blank page, but for a lot of people, they would need more structure. Yeah. And so to give them that choice, I think was really important. And, but what I see is that oftentimes teachers are like, no, we're using Cornell notes. Everybody has to use Cornell notes. This is what we're doing. And that honestly would have never worked for me. It just, that's, I need a big blank page. It has the possibilities to turn kids off or to turn anybody off for that matter. You know, I was thinking as you were talking about that, about the process, you know, things with the screen record that's now on the iPads and the, and the time-lapse video that's in Procreate. I have found that if you were to let the kids use that, like use that as their documentation, as their notes, you can see their thought process, you know, especially if it's in time-lapse, it's, it's, it's probably 45 seconds to a minute of their notes that may have taken them 25 minutes to do, but you will see where their mistakes are, where they backed up, where they changed something to maybe improve or not improve. And, you know, I gave, I actually did my own example. I was at my school 
talking with the English teachers and they were telling me what, what they were getting ready to do. They were doing Greek mythology and I did a whole thing of sketch noting just based on, on the topic that they were, that they were talking about. And I did it as a screen record and I sent it to them and they actually shared it with their classes and said, you know, this is one example or a way that you can take notes. And so it was pretty, pretty cool. Hey there, it's Susan from Education Closet. It's that time of year, friend, conference time. We have just released our summer online arts integration and STEAM conference, and it's a big one. Bigger giveaways, big name keynotes, and some of the most exciting new strategies for arts integration and STEAM that we've ever seen. And right now, we have an early bird special. Through April 30th, you can get your ticket for just 99 bucks. Head over to artsintegrationconference.com for all the details. Now, let's get back to the conversation. I love that. I absolutely do. And I, I agree I agree with both of you on the templates because that's what, what I was kind of finding on the research was not, not fill in the blank. Right, yeah. If you did give, because some kids are like terrified of a blank page. Absolutely. Like, doesn't yep. bother me, but, oh, but I, I'm right with you. So. I mean, art's the same way, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It can be, I mean, there's, there's lots of quotes out there from artists about a blank canvas being the scariest thing. First mark, it just, you know, but then you have Peter Reynolds who just says, make a mark and see where it goes. So yeah. the, uh, the idea, one of the questions you said in our chat when you hosted the K-12 chat was about using some um, habit tracking to achieve personal goals or professional goals even. So tell us a little bit about habit tracking. Yeah. So I'm so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I just had a moment to say something. Go on. Yeah. So like habits are less about you know, the tool. And I think, I think that's kind of where we are with all of this, which is awesome. What I was finding, because I, I do have some ADD, um, I also, you know, and I'm sure that you'll resonate this, with this, you know, anytime you're doing something hard, anytime you're doing something that can't be finished in a day, like write a book or, you know, complete some artwork, you know, it, it is, it, it's kind of continuing that momentum mm-hmm. at one, and then two, removing things that would take away from that momentum. And so that's really what habit trackers are. So the idea is, And you can track things to get rid of. You can also track things to add. So for me, things that I wanted to have more in my life were um, writing every day or like reading every day. So basically you just have a a box. uh, You'd have like 31 boxes or however many days are in the month. And then uh, you can essentially, you just put an X on the ones that you have done whatever task it is that you want to do or whatever habit. And then if you haven't that day, then you would leave it blank. So, so that would be, you know, something in a positive way, like reading or, you know, writing every day or, you know, eating healthy, something like that. Things that I didn't want to do as much were eating out every day or um, not that we eat out every day, but we eat out far more than we should. And I really wanted to kind of like condense the amount of money that was being spent on those things. Um, so, and then the other thing was just, you know, watching Netflix. So I love Netflix. I think there's a lot of creativity and, and things of that nature, but at the same time, it takes away from what I was trying to do. And so I would just have like a, Hey, I haven't watched Netflix for four days. Yay me. (laughs) So, so, I mean, it's just, and it's that visual component, you know, I I think we're, and I say this in the book too, it's like, we're poor historians of ourselves. And so what we think we've done and how we think we feel, you know, looking back 
at a month or even last week is, is typically not always accurate. And so if you're doing that in the moment and you're tracking it on a daily basis, then, you know, you have a, a much better accuracy of, of kind of doing what you need to do. It's kind of like that episode in, in Friends with the one with the ball. I watched a lot, lot of Friends while writing this book. <laughs> Way more I should have, but it's like that one with the ball. It's like the more you keep going, you know, when they're throwing the ball back and forth, uh-huh. once you've done it for an hour, you're like, well, damn, like, I don't want to, I don't want to drop it now. Yeah. Like I want to keep going. And so exactly. It was like, so the more times, you know, wow, I've done this for 15 days in a row. Okay. I can do it for a few more. Like that's not a big deal. And so just visually tracking those things, you can do it in, in pretty much any tool. That's awesome. I'm, I really, I struggle with that one a lot. Um, I just got a new journal where it does have that habit tracker in there. I don't even have to draw it myself. All I have to do is check it off. And I still am not <laughs> tracking all the habits that I'm trying to work on. What so say three weeks creates a habit. Something like something that. Like that. So like 20 days or whatever. Yeah. I, I've got a ways to go. <laughs> we all have our flaws. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, one of the things too um, that you said in the chat was wishing you could create more time, which is what I liked about what you were just talking about—the the habit tracker about carving out time. You know, people often ask me like, "How in the world do you journal?" Like, because I do it almost every day, just even if it's just for a few minutes. And I think that a while back, it's it's also there's a little bit of like setting your priorities or your values. How do you pull that into carving out the time and the habit tracking and all that? How do you kind of focus in on those values? Well, so in chapter four, and that's actually, I started before the habit trackers because you're absolutely right. I mean, you can set goals for yourself, Mm -hmm. but if your goals don't align with kind of where, you know, who you are and and what your values are, like, you're not going to get very far with it. So for me, my, I I did one recently, my three values are, um, respect, creativity, and alone time. And so I kind of try to, and and I know how vital those three things are to, you know, just myself as a human being. Mm -hmm. And so I really try to, as I'm making decisions about things, okay, well, you know, I, I know that I need alone time. I know that I need time to be creative. And if I'm doing these other things, that's taking away from that time that it's like the lifeblood to, you know, whatever I'm trying to do. So it's, it's not, it's not perfect, but I think, and I know you, you journal. So a lot of people who do this, you know, they'll write those words or, okay. you know, they have a one word for the year, whatever that is, but just kind of starting with that before you do anything else, it just kind of resonates to go back to. It's like, I've already, it's not just such a goal, but it's like, this is who I am and this is who I want to be. And you kind of have to just stay true to that. I think you, you just hit it on the nail. It's really about self-discovery and figuring out who you are. You know, for me, seven years as an assistant principal and it was time to become a principal. And I had this moment where I'm like, no, <laughs> I, there's something missing and what was missing was the art you know I just like you said life happens you know we had had three kids all during that seven year period of being an assistant principal at a really big high school and then and then I had moved to a middle school to try to balance life a little bit but it was also a very challenging school I have a 
uh, niche for working with um, trouble, challenging, challenging, challenging tricky things, friends. tricky friends. <laughs> and uh, and I, I think that that's a, a nice thing. But at the same time, I, I needed to find the balance. And I there well, was just you were, you were finding the time constraints of the job were leaving less of you. Yeah, I, home. I wasn't there no. for the kids or even myself. And I think owning that who you are is, is a key component. And honestly, I wasn't a whole human being without art. And so it was somewhere in that time period that I realized if I'm not creating every day, I'm not a whole human being. And so, you know, that is one thing that I, I can own about who I am and, and what, um, what my values are. I just, I, it's my way of dealing with emotions and feelings. And for me, I don't have to be alone. I can be in a room with 10 people and make art. It doesn't matter, but I need, I need to be doing some mixed media somewhere, some watercolor, <laughs> some collage, but I need <laughs> to make the mess. mess. Yeah. So I think it's really just about taking the time to reflect on who you are and, and figure out those core values and what your needs are. And it's okay to, make it about you. You know, I think think that's that's something too, that we struggle with as, as teachers, probably more than others is that we give so much of ourselves to other people that you gotta, you gotta take a few minutes and really reflect on what you need and how you can be productive. And, and then that productivity, if you can really like your to-do list inspire me all the time, (laughs) because I, I'm not good at that, but I've been doing them and I felt so much more productive just having a daily to-do list. How crazy is that? So yeah, back to you. Tell us a little bit more about your, <laughs> your list. Talk to us about lists. Um, You're a list I've, girl. I've made lists since I was young. I think I, I honestly, like, I don't know that I could function without them. And so I think that goes back to just like, you knowing yourself, it's like, I know that I need a list. Like I need a list when I go to the store, I need a list for, you know, what I'm going to do tonight, which is, um, email students and, um, podcast and, uh, seriously, it says podcast. Uh, <laughs> and then it says taxes. Oh, those are fun. Um, oh, that's, that's still on our, t- uh, that's that's our somewhere on our list. That's somewhere somewhere on our list. Yeah. It's, on, it's on one of those lists, but yeah, uh-huh. I mean, And I also think, you know, lists are kind of an an intriguing sort of thing. You know, I mean, I make lists, just, you know, daily lists and and things of that nature, but I also make lists of things that I want to do and places that I want to visit and, you know, books that I want to read and books that I've read. And so I think there's just a a power to, you know, documenting life. I I really feel like that's what it is. I mean, the to-do lists are a little bit different in the sense of, you know, kind of maintaining productivity, but I think there's a lot of power just to lists in general. And I will say too getting to the student side of this, you know, some of the things that we've talked about might be daunting to a student, but like making a list, I think it's not a hard thing to right. do. And, and so if you ask a student to make a list of things they need to do or make a list of books that they want to read or things like that, like it's very easy to generate those things. And so I think, I think that's a great place to start. And just looking back at old lists and, you know, things are kind of fun, but yeah, absolutely. I just think it's a good way to kind of get things out of your brain. I, I know this about myself that I just, when I just feel like heavy or I can't focus or just like I, I'm kind of having those like weird spacey moments. A lot of that's just because I've got too much going on in my brain and I can't, I just need to get it all down on paper and figure out where I need to go. So I'm not going to like run into a wall or (laughs) like just put my head down on the desk and cry. Like, like, (laughs) you know, I mean, so, so it's just, it's, it's like a livelihood for me. It's, 
you know, it's just all different strategies. I mean, all of us have strategies for making things work. That's just one of those strategies. I feel like it's really powerful. I mean, I, I think it, it creates a, a peace of mind, especially, you know, when you have a list. <laughs> I, a tip my mom used to tell me all the time was when, you, when you're writing a list, write one thing on that list that you've already done. That way you have that, that, that feeling, that kind of sense of confidence kick you into your next thing so you can cross it off your list and keep moving on. So, um, you know, those, those are when I, when I do write lists, cause I'm, I need to get better at that. But when I do write lists, then I try to put that one thing in there so I can cross it off and feel like I accomplished something. Feel accomplished <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, it sounds like your mom. <laughs> let, let, let me cross off podcasts right here on this note. Taxes, not so much, but no, no um, that can that can go to tomorrow. You you got a few more days for that one. <laughs> yeah, I just everything you share, you're a sharer. It's um, <laughs> I, I love your Instagram. I love your blog. You know. If you had one tip as we part for the evening, what would your tip or trick or words of wisdom be for the listeners on this podcast? That was um, very broad and open-ended. Okay. Yes. Uh, that, was that. that was good at yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm going to have to think about that for a moment. I, should I narrow it down to be yes. productive? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Your what one tip one or thing about being creatively productive. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the main things that I start with is the values. So, I mean, if you do any of these things, I would start with values because, you know, for some people, like a messy desk does not make them less productive. So I, I don't want to, you know, say messy versus clean. Like it's not about that. It's about finding what works for you and, and why you need those things to work for you. And if you have kind of, you feel like you have areas of deficiency, then those are the areas that obviously you need to work on. So as a tip, I would say, you know, find one thing that works for you, whether it be, you know, a list or a planner or a digital organization desktop, which is like totally my jam. (laughs) Uh, a bullet journal. (laughs) It does like your desktop organizers. (laughs) They they make me like stupid happy. You don't even know. So yeah. yeah, So I mean, just find that one thing that really just kind of grounds everything. And then also just, and I'm going to give you two tips because I, I, you know, I'm not one. Yeah. um, (laughs) Yes. I I can't, I can't help myself. Sorry. And then just, find one person or or more than one person who has those ideas that you, and this is not a shameless plug, but because I follow, and and as you know, in the book, like there, that book is not just all me. It's not just like, Hey, look at all the pretty notes that I share. Like, I mean, there are pretty notes in there, but I, I share a lot of people who inspire me on Instagram and students and different things like that for that very reason. So I would say, yes, find that one thing that works for you, but then also, find somebody who inspires you and, you know, Hey, if it's Laura doing that awesome journaling, then, you know, follow Laura. Well, hopefully you're already following Laura (laughs) (laughs) by now, but you know, know, or like, Hey, Matt, if he's doing those awesome, you know, time-lapse sketch notes, like follow that. But I get so inspired by seeing what people share and, and how vulnerable they are about what they share. 
And I think that's the power in, you know, the duality of these things is if you want to kind of gain something or you want to learn something, there's no shortage of people out there that, you know, want to share, but also want to learn. And, and that's the power, I feel like, of Instagram specifically, just because of the visual content and, and how many people are sharing that particular type of content. I, I think there's such a power to it. Well, Lisa, I know, I know I'm like, well, and, and, you know, following you has been a real inspiration to us. I, I, I really do. We've talked about this before. We have several book ideas and we're really trying to put them together. But a lot of that is because you inspire us, people like you that, that are sharing in that format. And we have the content. It's just getting over the fear of writing and, and, and the create the productive part, you know, and really learning how to be productive how in that framework, that how to manage that. And so you, you're constantly inspiring us. And so we're so thankful that you could be a part of the chat and the podcast. And, and you gave a book to us to give away on Instagram. That was super fun. And she's super excited. I can't wait for her to get it. <laughs> so yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun following your book launch and, and being a part of, of what And continuing to know you. I mean, yeah. from when we met at iPad Palooza. All uh, those years ago. All those years ago. Yeah. Aww. So. <laughs> Thank you. I, I really appreciate that because I think, and, and I think this is something to know about, everybody it's you know a lot of these times people are sharing things it's a gift of time really because everything that people are doing and sharing it does take time yeah. and it's always appreciative because i i do it for that very reason because i hope that it it impacts somebody else and and positively impacts somebody else but i i really appreciate that and i i love following y'all as well and i think a book from y'all would be absolutely amazing so <laughs> Make that happen. <laughs> okay, make that happen. We'll get right on it right now. That's on our list. We're writing it down right now. Yes. It's on the list. book for Lisa. <laughs> Not for just for me, but like, yes. Well, um, it's, we, we're definitely, you know, it's honestly just that getting over the hump of learning how to be on a daily pattern of writing, which Again, that's one of the things that just I admire so much in you is that you do it every day. And uh, hopefully we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thank you again so much. It's really fun. And we're really looking forward, hopefully, to seeing you at Learn Fest. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and hopefully some of our other friends there. And mm-hmm. it's going to be a good year. So happy, happy book launching and travels <laughs> and everything else that you're doing. Yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah. Thank you okay. for having Thanks. me. Thanks, Absolutely. Lisa. We All appreciate right. it. Okay. Have a good night. Bye. Yeah, you too. Bye. Have a good evening. Bye. Heads up, seven up, friends. If you've been enjoying these episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Creatively Connected Classroom podcast. You'll get a notification every time we release a new episode each and every week. And take a screenshot and put it on your favorite social media. Twitter, Insta, Facebook, you name it. Tag Education Closet and K-12 Art Chat so we can reach out and say thanks. And if you really love us with all the feels, give us a review and or a rating over on iTunes. It helps others find the show and connect with our incredible community. Thanks for all your support.